clout. Welcome to the Akira the Dawn podcast. My guest today is William Rankin the first. Are you the first of your name, the third of your name? Uh, first of William Rankin, my dad is called Robert, his dad was called Robert, his dad was called Robert, his dad was called Robert. And the tradition was to call the first son Robert. Uh, my older brother is called Robert, his son is called Connor. So, uh, what, a, what bro- a dick. My brother's wife wasn't having any of it. She was like, what? Uh, Robert, uh, no. <laughs> wow, what a, what a dick. Yeah. What a dick, what an absolute dick. His ancestors, all yeah, hundreds gone. of them going yeah. back, must be really, really upset with him. That's disgusting. Outrageous, yeah. No, it's not Damn. true. R.I.P. <laughs> F. F in the chat. F in the chat for the Robert Lyme. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Billiam Rankin is a legendary fellow uh, currently residing in London. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a pioneer in the genres of uh, dubstep, uh, whatever step, comedy step, dude step, uh, they're using step. using the term pioneer very loosely there, but thank you. Um, well, I, you were around very early doing stuff. Yeah, it's very, very, this, this very early. Reasonably early, two thousand and six, I think I started uh, making dubstep. Uh, before yeah, that, very me? hard drum and bass, and now I was back about to, to very yeah, hard I was about to say he was really a jungle mister, a drum and bass guy. It's true, jungle yeah. or drum and bass? Were you in it when it was called jungle, or did you get in when it was drum and bass? I got into it '99, and so it was drum and bass at that point. Well, I mean, there's still a distinction between jungle and drum and bass, uh, which will be argued to toss by people who seem to have too much time in their hands. Um, yeah. Uh, aside from that, uh, Billiam Rankin, uh, first of his name, uh, is a pioneer of the shoe throwing genre, which we'll get into a bit later. It's definitely a genre. It is a genre. And he's yes. his He's a also a pioneer. In the sample pack universe, he was very early on that. He's got one of mm-hmm. the most successful sample pack companies in the Western world. I'm not going to say the world because I don't know if they get down with sample packs in uh, Asia. I know nothing about that. Uh, I'd be I think interested. It is a thing. They've got some great ones. And his most recent venture is his own radio station, Threshold FM, which was inspired in part by the good Dr. Jordan Peterson and mm. uh, will be of interest to my audience, some of my audience, for that reason alone. William Rankin the first, how the devil are you? I'm very well, actually. I've, um, I'm, I'm, on the ta- I'm on the back end of some sort of uh, peculiar mystery illness, um, that I guess maybe some sort of new modern-day plague, um, but I've beaten it, and I'm pleased well, about at that. At least you haven't got the face-eating disease that OG Mako got, which is really scaring me. I tell you what, I could do without a face-eating disease. That's There's honestly a bunch of the medieval last thing I need di- at the moment. I've got too much on. <laughs> I'm scared, honestly. There's a bunch of medieval diseases that have been uh, unleashed across uh, California due to the homelessness epidemic and the government's refusal to do anything about it. And uh, medieval diseases are spreading. And there's lots of homeless people on the train I get. And sometimes they attack you, like in The Walking Dead. So right. now I'm terrified of getting a flesh-eating disease from a homeless person. Mm. Well, I yeah. also there con- genuine concerns over uh, people not vaccinating their children, and that's yeah. spreading, you know, oldie worldy diseases that were previously thought to have died out. Like, like measles uh, is back. Leprosy. 
Not so much leprosy, but measles is back. Uh, mumps, uh, rubella, all of those good ones. Um, there, there was a recent incident in Costa Rica where a French family went on holiday, and Costa Rica had not had a native <laughs> case of measles since 2006. And then this French family, who were anti-vaxxers, brought over their fat-headed little brat who hadn't been vaccinated, all, re- all full of measles, and he's just started dishing it out to the local population. And they've I had measles, I was all right. Everyone had measles when I was a kid. It was what you did. You got some measles. Nice chicken pox. You got, you got a week off school. Yeah, that's the dream, isn't it? Yeah. Oh. So, so, so uh, where's Mr. Snips? Normally, when I, when I watch your Snips broadcast... Oh, there he is. There he is. Yep. If you're listening to this, Mr. Snips is a, the lobster mascot of Threshold FM. Yeah, this is Wesley Stips. He's my psycho-psychic sidekick. Um <laughs> He sits here next to my little MPC, which has got um, some ridiculous uh, comedy samples in. I've got a few of uh, Peterson. I've got a few of old Elon Musk. Is it working um, right now? Can we hear it? You know what? It's not. But I could get uh, it um, uh, just to turn open this could, up. And it, you could just do well just an impression go. with your mouth. Uh, yeah, there you go. Hey! Hey! <laughs> what else you got on there? Um... That's Paris Hilton, famous I DJ. Say, I was going to say, that sounds like Paris Hilton. She definitely does drop the sick of sets. Uh, that's uh, Liberty Prime from Fallout. Do that one again? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's beautiful. I need one of those in general. Yeah. Just in general. Uh, I don't actually have my soundboard plugged in right now. I feel disgusted. I'm ashamed. I've got, I don't know if you can see in the back here. Oh, yeah. Oh, hang on. Kind, I could have done that a lot better but uh i do have a, a drum machine going so that's nice yeah always yeah. useful to have yeah. one around just in case Lovely. of a lowdown yeah exactly just in case you need to start like drum, getting people ready for battle Damn which right. is what drums were used for back in the day tell me billiam ranking the first about threshold fm this is your latest adventure and uh it seems to be doing rather well yeah, it's starting to it's starting to catch. It's um, I can give you the full real like oh, it was a um, so last year. It's a long story, um, but I'm glad you asked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> last year, I found myself in something of a hole. Um, to put it uh, well, to paraphrase, um, I had you know I've been working in music full time for ten years now. Right. And um and it's wonderful, but also quite stressful and confusing. Yes. And it, it <laughs> has uh, you know, infinite strands of complexity when it comes to the sort of uh, you know, psychological aspects of navigating your way through the industry, through the scene, through the creative process, through all of the different things associated with it. There there seems like there is a clear path. There definitely is not a clear path. Like it, um, and particularly like, you know, like with the, what's it called? The uh, sort of 80-20 Pareto distribution thing, whereby, you know, 20% of people, 20% of musicians, artists, DJs, you know, take 80% of the work, take 80% of the money. So for the rest of us, you have to, uh, you have to find a unique and a sort of original way of doing things in order to be able to scrape a living. And that is hmm. certainly what I've been doing for for my 10 years in... Well, my 10 years doing it full-time. So I've been making music since 1999, but I've been doing it professionally without a 
quote unquote real job since 2009. And nice. in over the last, I would say, five years, the maybe even a little bit longer, actually, the meaning and the sort of purpose for which I was doing it had all but disappeared. No. And in the middle of last year, I kind of all came came to a head really and and one of the things one of the odd things about particularly about the music industry is you have a lot of people who are very creative they're very extroverted um they're very keen to sort of show off and you know perform and all of that sort of stuff and they spend 90 percent of their time on their own <laughs> and it's, uh, it's yeah. an absolute disaster like like i got into this because i really loved I love music, but I also love performing, love the DJing, love the creative aspect of creating music and putting it together and then playing it to people and playing it to people at parties and then in clubs and, you know, all of this sort of stuff. But the upshot of that is that once you, once you start making a living out of it, you then have to basically spend all of your time in a room with no windows on your own in a sort of weird self-created prison, um, you know, <laughs> where you have to then, you know, be constantly concerned about how you're going to make your next rent payment out of the the creative art that you've you know involved yourself in and mm. a lot of the time it's fine but you know after after you know 10 years uh, of it it um I, I yeah i just didn't really know what to do and that i think that in comparison combined sorry with the social media sort of beast that we've created um, where you spend, you know, an enormous amount of time scrolling through social media, looking at other people, other people's, uh, I don't want to say pretend achievements, but kind of highlight other people's reel. highlight reels. And you're comparing highlight your reel. bloopers reel to this highlight reel. <laughs> and the, you know, the operative word here is real. It is not real. <laughs> these, these things these people are posting are not real. And often I think a lot of how you feel is not... It, necessarily accurate to to what you have in front of you so yes there's this whole sort of perfect storm of 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 isolation a lack of a lack of meaningful work and but getting this sort of weird warped vision that everyone else that you're in the scene with and in in a way we're all in it together but also in a way we're all competing against each other because you're like well i want bookings and you know if that person gets booked that's me not getting booked and all of this sort of stuff. And yeah. so, you know, after a while, it, it's just, well, it makes you feel awful. And then the more you look at it, the worse it gets. And then you're wasting your time looking at it. And then when you <laughs> could be working, and you know, it's, it just, it gets, uh, it gets on top of you. So I was going to leave. Yes. I was going to leave music. And do uh, I was going to, I had a few options. One, I was, I was, I was really into the whole carnivore thing at the time. Yeah. Um, and I still am to an extent. It's just, it's very, um, uh, it's a bit of a pain in the ass in terms of cooking uh, for the lifestyle that I lead. Um, if I had a hob with me the whole time, it would be much easier. Um, also, See, I like what, I do, what I do, I've got uh, barbecues at the house. The no one has a barbecue in winter in Peckham. Well, you need to move to LA. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I got a barbecue and uh, I just cook like three steaks a day and I chop up two of them and put them in a Tupperware box and bring them to the studio. Yeah, well, that would that's, yeah. that's I what mean, I it, do. I did have a little hob here for a bit. Um, but oh, do you know I, what else you can get? My homie uh, in Canada who, who went carnival, uh, he's got one of these things. It's like a little box that kind of like 
cooks things with no smell. Oh, that and, sounds uh, good. Because I stink the house out with all the stuff. Yeah, it, it's, ama- it's like a dry cooking thing or something, and it cooks mm. your steak perfectly in like 15 minutes with no smell at all. Uh, I have to look into this. You might need links. Links, citation needed. Yeah, Come he's on. been using it for the past few months. and uh, Right. Yeah. It seems pretty magical. But anyway, so you were getting into the carnivore thing and you were thinking what, maybe you were, you were going to be the male... Were you going to be the male Michaela Peterson or something? Or? You know what? I wasn't, but that's not a bad idea. Uh, no, I was thinking about starting a, a meat box thing in the uk there wasn't one that was specialized ah. there isn't well there wasn't one at the time specializing in wild court game nice and wild yeah, game I thought that'd be nice and then i thought again maybe i could get out there and start you know shooting ducks do what? all of that get out of nature and um then wow. my other th- possibility was becoming a personal trainer um wow. that would have been that would have been okay um wow but i i i I didn't. I, I I made a list of the things that I found that actually made me happy. Well, I mean, happy or that I actually felt was worth doing. Um, and it turned out that that thing, there was only one thing on the list in terms of stuff for work. Like I was lucky and sort of blessed in the fact that I had a very good relationship. I, well, I have, have a very good relationship with my girlfriend. I have a nice uh, selection of friends that I like. Uh, and I'm in reasonable health. Um, but for work-wise, the, it turned out that there was only a single hour of my week that I found good, enjoyable, and meaningful. <laughs> uh, w- w- hey, that's an hour more than a lot of people, though, right? Yes, it is. That's a good hour. Yeah, and it was a great hour. It was an it was a show that I, a live show that I used to do on Facebook live stream. Well, I still do it on Facebook live stream Thursdays three o'clock uh, called yeah. Rankins Records, which was me doing a retrospective of old drum and bass vinyl, playing them. Um, yeah, I watched that a few times. You sit yeah. there with a single record player. One deck. Yeah. One deck. And you'd put on a drum and bass record and go, ooh, ooh, <laughs> and do a little dance. So you'd be all excited yeah. at how good it was. And it was a very beautiful thing to observe. Yeah. There's something it's, quite um, infectious about it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's enormous fun. It's Because I've been <laughs> carting this vinyl around for 20 years now, yeah. great, basically, and it, in half heavy, and it's been stored in various lockups and attics and mother's house and all of these things. And I thought, I'm finally, look, I'm probably not going to be going out and playing a lot of vinyl sets anytime soon. I would like to, but, you know, it's, uh, I don't know how much of a market there is for it. But, so I wanted to do it, and I wanted to do it a little bit like when you go back to someone's house after the club and you're all jazzed up. And you're like, oh, yeah, no, listen to this, listen to this. At least that's how it used to be. I don't, it's not really so much like that anymore. It's, you know, and you're putting records out. Oh, no, listen to this one. Oh, no, no, this one. Oh, you know, call your guy. You know, no, no, this one, this one. And so that was why the single record deck and people seemed to like it and it seemed to work. And so that was the only good thing that I was doing each week. And then Zuckerberg decided to start trying to put pay to that by pulling down all my videos uh, from Facebook (laughs) because it's got music in it. So that was annoying. And I was like, well, look, if there's, how can I take this single hour of the week that I really like and how can I I capitalize on that? All right, well, what about if I did it every day? (laughs) Okay, well, that was, yeah, that could work. Yeah, I don't see it. All right, yeah, we could do that. Okay, but Zuckerberg's pulling down all your videos. Well, how can you get around that? Well, you need to have a uh, a separate live stream. Okay, well, you can do you can set up a live radio stream online really easily. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like in five minutes, there are companies that will do it, and you can upload loads of music, and it will. When you're not live, it will just you know jukebox other Sound music. broadcaster. Yeah, there's uh, the one I use is called Radio.co, and, you, okay. and it's relatively cheap as well, all, all things considered. Yeah. And you can stream from anywhere, and it'll just play old stuff when you're when you're not live. It's like okay, well, all right, well that works. Okay, well, what should we do? I mean, gosh, I could do a. I guess we could do a station. I could get other people to come on and do shows. I guess if I did a morning show, that would make the most sense. So I started. I thought, all right, I'll commit to doing twenty episodes. Do it for a month, five days a week, ten till eleven every morning. Let's do this morning show. It's called Coffee and Memes. It is a sort of a uh, radio version of a series of YouTube videos I did at the beginning of last year. I think, yeah, the beginning of last year, which was basically me going through stupid news stories on the internet and taking the piss out of them. Yeah, it's uh, It's always when I come back in from DJing, you're starting to go live. Yeah, so, yes, I see you pop up and I was like, I'll oh, check it out. It's the same is. thing Don's basically. Jo- on the source. Yeah, Jocko is getting up and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and post, posting his watch and you're starting your radio show. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's a beautiful thing. So you started doing that, and then and then it caught on quite quickly. It seemed. It seems to. Yes, I didn't really expect it to. I thought I, I, no one's going to listen. I thought then people are like, I'll listen for a week or a couple of days, and then they'll drift off. And it turns out that that hasn't been the case. And I mean, yeah, the sort of um, yeah, I, without going too much into basically being you know slipping into quite a significant hole in the middle of last year. I was I read uh, Peterson's Twelve Rules for Life at the time, and made me and it gave me a a, a bit of a, a perspective really on like it was that and it was it was a lot of the um, lectures and so on that he had uh, spoken about how 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 you can just you can make stuff worse basically really <laughs> easily yeah <laughs> like by doing you know by doing a lot of things you're actually you're gonna actually uh, but with significant effort, like you can put a lot of effort into making stuff really bad for yourself mm. if you get onto that path. And it's sort of weirdly addictive in a way. And I just sort of started to realize how kind of bitter and resentful about the whole uh, music industry, music scene, the creative world. Uh, I realized how, how bad that had got. And, you know, after... A- so what were you doing? Were you doing, was it stuff like you were deliberately following people who seem to be doing well and you would sort of hate watch their posts and things of that nature or what would it I think, uh, well, not, there wasn't so much deliberate following, but like, I just, it's very, very difficult to not look at social media at all. <laughs> I've actually deleted Twitter oh, well and, and I've removed myself from normal Facebook. I, I have control over my artist page yeah. and the threshold page. Um, as I found that Facebook was generally people I knew saying things I knew they didn't mean to try yeah. and look virtuous. And, twi- <laughs> and Twitter was uh, other DJs and famous yeah. people saying things I knew they didn't mean to try and look <laughs> virtuous. So this is bollocks. Uh, so the only one, I mean, there's Instagram. <laughs> and Instagram I'm all right with because my Instagram feed is just jujitsu techniques and memes. <laughs> it is now it, it was for a while it was allowed all the other DJs and I was like oh, I, you know I'm engrossed in the scene I should have all the other DJs and stuff on there look they're all playing massive shows why are they playing massive shows what's going on here <laughs> and 
And then I kind of also, I, I will say that you, um, you hold a significant amount of responsibility for, uh, for this because I was what, there was also, there was a particular tweet of yours. Right. Um, it was about the sort of comparison to others things and the, it was about being peerless. Yeah. Uh, can you remember it? I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, it was probably something along the lines of, because I kind of had this for many years. I was like, well, you know, I've been doing this full time since 2004. And for a while I was like getting into this hole of why, aren't, you know, why aren't all these people reviewing my stuff? And why aren't I on all these big shows and da, 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 da. And then I decided to make my own scene. So yes. rather than comparing myself to other people's yes. scenes and this music industry that uh, I felt had kind of like mistreated me or whatever and wasn't giving me my just due or whatever it was, mm. I created my own industry. Yes. I created my own scene. And so now I was peerless because I was the only person doing what I was doing. I couldn't compare myself to these other artists because they weren't doing what I was doing. The only people I could really compare myself to were like people like Jocko Willink and mm. Jordan Peterson and people like that. They became my peers. Yes, uh, this is I exactly. I was thinking it. of myself on that level. If you're too, like, I, what I sort of realized, like I've been so busy comparing myself to other people that what I actually need to do is make what I'm doing incomparable. Yes, oh, exactly. And then the only person great. you compare, I just, yeah, yeah, I, I just. And mean, then like, it, it's the classic: you can only compare yourself to yourself. Yes. And then you, have, then you have a decent frame of reference as to how well you're actually doing because you know yourself. Even when you're lying to yourself, you can you know yourself way better than some, mm. some highlight reel of someone else's life. And then the other thing you compare yourself to is uh, your ancestry. Mm. So you can compare yourself to yourself yesterday and you can compare yourself to your father and you mm. can compare yourself to your father's father and then you have a sort of decent perspective of how you're doing. Mm. And if you're failing... If you're, like, perhaps weaker than your grandfather was, then you know that you need to put more effort in physically or whatever. Um, and if you're, you know, slipping in any regards with compares to how you might, might have been doing in the past, then you know you've got things to pick up on. But it's the only honest way of appraising your situation. And once you start doing that, life becomes quite joyful. Mm. Because you're not uh, suffering at the bitterly, at the injustices... Of uh, of an imagined world in which you're not doing as well as you should be. Mm. That's an, an interesting world. one, actually. The idea of of uh, using your ancestry as a point of comparison. I mean, that must suck if your dad's like Bill Gates or something. But um, yeah. well, not necessarily. I mean, this is something I was talking about on Twitter the other day. Uh, this tweet was popping off with something along the lines of, you know, I live in Los Angeles and I've met. Uh, a great many children of rich people mm. and children of famouses. And they're awash with insecurity and self-doubt. And, uh, you know, they've got all the money they need. And, and so therefore nothing has any value to them. And they know they'll never be judged on their own merits and they're awash mm. with sorrow. Uh, therefore, the, you know, I was very poor for most of my life sort of homeless and all this sort of stuff, but that ended up being a blessing and ended up making me strong and giving me stuff that these people do not have. And I've hung out with a lot of these people and I've got stuff they don't have. Yeah. You know, uh, and so then, yeah, so there's that aspect of it. But the ancestry thing is, you know, it's a great way of having perspective and, and not fucking bitching about the world because you obviously have it so much better in so many 
regard. Oh yeah, just uh, unbelievably so. It's it's amazing how many. I mean, you know, it's it's, it's such a cliche now of of people that are you know, middle class, run their own business, are very, very successful, yet have, can complain about how oppressed they are. Yeah. Like, I, I've, I've just never seen anything like it. Like, it's like your, your social media is just you uh, doing yoga poses and eating nice food and drinking things, and, and then it's just complaints about the patriarchy or whoever. It's like, yeah, well, so I don't, sorry, how exactly are you oppressed here? This doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah, what's, so, what's the deal? What's going on? Where's, where's, I don't really get well, it. Well, this is what happens when people are divorced from their ancestry and people lose context. And that's mm. why it's important to remember your ancestors and it's important to praise the ancestors and to thank the ancestors. And it's why you should have a shrine. Everybody should have a shrine in their house of pictures of their, of their parents and grandparents and great grandparents and so on and so forth. And uh, then you have a constant mm. reminder of uh, where you are and where you've come from. And uh, therefore, you have a constant reminder to be grateful for all the stuff you have. But also, there's stuff that we lack now that they have. Mm. And it's also worth remembering that as well. It's also, you know, worth being aware of, of the multiple sides of, of this thing. Yeah. Uh, so we don't get to... I, I, someone like me who's naturally optimistic could, could quite easily fall down a hole of uh of naivety uh if i was not reminding myself consistently of uh, the things that are also negative about where we're going so you mm. kind of have to have that balance but certainly you're completely right this absolute insane plague of privileged uh one percent never had it better in the history of humanity motherfuckers and all they do is whinge about this imaginary oppression which they long for because that makes you special in our world because our world is so easy. Yeah, it's a sort of privileged victimhood. It's weird. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't know. You know, and it's uh, what happens What happens when, uh, when you're no longer in the victim class. Yeah, well, you've got, to, you've got to stoop over a lower to try and find something that, you know, can, can oppress you. Yeah, it's a, really, it's a really scary race to the bottom. You like you have to keep sort of creating things. It is a race to the bottom. That's it, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, I feel, yeah. But yes. anyway, so you're not involved in that though. What you did was go, okay, I'm going no, to I was create like, I've got my, to get own my world. shit together. Like Jesus. Like yeah. I, I mean, this was it. This is the idea of taking responsibility. Like when I, like because I've just blamed it on everyone else. I blamed right. it on the scene. I was. I felt so entitled to my position, my dubious position in the scene. <laughs> that, like, I've been working in this scene for God knows 20 years. I made the dubstep record with the cats in it. Come on, guys. Where's, <laughs> where are my bloody bookings? What's going on here, you bastards? Why haven't I? This is an outrage. Why is he getting bookings? Why is, why is she getting bookings above me? What's going on here? Right? This is an absolute outrage. And then, you know, the more you look at it, and you're more like, all right, well, okay. Let's take some ownership here. Let's take responsibility here. What's going on? Okay, this is probably my fault, isn't it? There are probably some things that I've done here that are, you know, and and look, for a lot of people, the the sort of mainstream, you know, music industry doesn't really fit. Like, your stuff doesn't fit. My stuff doesn't fit. Like, it's, you know, like if someone was to say, all right, uh, someone was going to a major le- record label and was like, I've got a great idea for you. It's even, right, okay, so 
Peterson has this thing where he's like, I cannot believe that people are turning up in the thousands, sometimes tens of thousands, to watch lectures. Like, this is to watch long format, deep psychological lectures. I, and like, if you said, oh, like the, like the biblical studies, yeah? If you're going to go to a yeah. bank and try and get a business loan to do these biblical lectures <laughs> about the psychological significance of the Bible, like, in, and I want to book a theatre that's 2,000 people, you would be laughed out of the bank. So then you've decided, I've got an idea, I'm going to make an album out of chopped up bits <laughs> of these psych- deep psychological lectures with lo-fi hip-hop underneath. Like, I don't know if they'd laugh you out so much as I just call security or something. It's just like, it's even more ridiculous. Yeah, like, you look at how well it's done and it makes so much sense when, like, when you actually are, up, you know, up close with it. Like, oh, right, yeah, of course. So, you know, for a lot of people, the sort of mainstream industry just isn't really, isn't really going to work. But, like, the, th- the thing that I've been thinking about a lot recently is, like, why, why are people... Well, it's, it's it's easy to be obsessed with things like I want to get my million plays on Spotify. I want to get my million plays on YouTube. I want to get, you know, this, this and this. However, you don't need that. Like what you like cultivating a small, dedicated listenership, fan base, whatever you want to call it. I've kind of stopped using the term fan. It doesn't really make sense really for what I'm trying to do. It's um, listeners is a much better community, community listeners like, gang yes what, what on earth is that squad noise? oh I had I had some oh, so you uh, got polices. sirens out there I got police rolling by I thought it was the filth mate I thought there would get, I thought I was a goner yeah um, yes so like the idea of instead like you can actually do really well with with, with not that many people right because like if to, you if they're you know if if you're if giving you're them what they want it, if it's a strong yes thing, yeah. yeah 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 so like if you look at I'm sure we discussed maybe we discussed this on our podcast maybe it was on a different one um, a while ago like so a million plays on you need a million plays on Spotify for and if you you need to release that record yourself not through a label yeah um, to get minimum wage for one month's work a million plays so what's minimum be, wage. Uh, so in the UK, it's like eight or nine quid an hour, something like that. But yeah. the, yeah, so it's about two, uh, maybe it's slight, maybe that would be slightly above minimum wage, but nevertheless, it's like 2,000 pounds a month or something. For... Yeah, because for a million plays, it's $4,000 basically on, on oh, Spotify. It that much? I thought it was slightly less than that. I thought it was no, 3,000. No, it's four, it's do- in dollars, it's $4,000 on uh, Spotify. Okay, so that would make you £3,000. That would just about cover your cost of living in London every month. Right. Just about. Yeah, and, I, and you know, getting a million plays a month is actually very hard. Yeah, good yeah. luck. Like, that is, it's, it's really, really difficult. Like, Although, it's worth pointing out, guess, guess who's just crossed 800,000 plays a month? Ooh, big and, daddy. Uh, yeah, we're on, we're on track to hit a million next month. Nice. We just crossed 80,000 monthly listeners. Nice, yeah, that don't, wouldn't it? I so mean, that I thing's say... growing. But, you know, I'm releasing at least an album every month. In fact, it's, it's April now, and I've just released my sixth album. <laughs> of the year. Of the year. It's ridiculous. Of the year so far, and there's another one coming out on Friday. And uh, well, I'm well, just... At, at least a thousand of those plays are me listening to <laughs> The Wave. Uh, <laughs> what would it be like? And good. Good. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. And discipline equals freedom. Just the four of those, just on repeat. Thanks, buddy. That's that, all right, that's, mate. That's about uh, 50 quid or something. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Patreon.com slash threshold FM, yeah. <laughs> oh, is that? I was going to ask you how I was going to get onto that because you were just saying, okay, so a, a smaller group of people you can, can sustain you. I always talk about, um, it's a bigger example, but how someone like Young Lean can be completely unknown to the majority of mm. people, but he'll drop anything he drops or get about like the lot high hundred thousands or a million, and he can tour the world, and he has a sustainable career for the rest of his life if he keeps providing his fan base with mm. the, the sort of aesthetic and music that they want. And he puts out music pretty often, like every three months he drops a project or something. But you know, you can, you can find a, you can, you can be a superstar in your own universe, and be, no one else know you. Mm. Yeah, this is it, and it's you can also like really uh, cultivate a community that you are able to give stuff that is quite meaningful to that community. Yes, like that is, and you're able to, I like. Like I really feel like the the, the people that listen to Coffee and Means, the people that listen to Threshold, uh, they they go by many names. Not really. Uh, some lobster, called the, isn't it? Some of the, the Lobster Crew, some of the, the Lobster Death Cult, the LDC, the Green Gang. <laughs> oh my there's, god! Uh, there's you're lots re- of them. You're really good at that, by the way. <laughs> I did, uh, they name themselves. I, this is not something that I did. This is uh, all I did a, was have, that's have a big this. part of the whole community management thing. Is like yeah. names and and sort of tribal feeling and, and group yeah. uh, cohesion and all that sort of thing. And you're very very good at that. It's uh, I'm, it's it purely you know uh, it's incidental. It's just it's not something. It's not been a deliberate act. Lobster um, death. What did you say? Lobster death, death, death squad. Lobster death squad. The LDC for sure. The LDC. I love it. Yeah, well, we just thought we might as well start a cult, you know, while we're while we're here, aren't we? We might. Yeah, why like, fuck around? Yeah, it's no point. Like, you know, a nice, a nice. It hasn't been a good death cult in a while, you know, like a sort of. Not since that chick one. from Smallville. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, wasn't she with R. Kelly or something? No, that was like a different. That was like a different <laughs> weird sex cult, wasn't it? She was yeah. getting. She was sourcing girls, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She 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 uh, pled guilty this week. Yeah. So she was going out there, getting girls, and they were signing over their of their lives, and they basically got to bang this guy who was the head of the cult. And, oh. give her, and to join the cult, you have to give incriminating photos of yourself. And then they're yeah. like, "Right, if you ever go against the cult, we'll release the photos." But it's like, what kind of an absolute like moron would? Get, All right, great. I'm going to join. Here's a photo of me getting diddled by a cat or whatever it is. Yeah. No. Well, I, let me join the, the cult. What's it, the skull and bones one with the glass coffin? The, the, with the what? <laughs> it's like the skull and bones thing. Where I don't know if they video you or take pictures of you in the glass coffin while everyone cheers onto it. Yeah, I mean, I used to, I used to um, see a girl <laughs> yeah. in Oxford. I went through a period of going to Oxford and hanging out with posh people when I was a little, little scrot. Mm. It was fun hanging out with posh people when you've been sort of poor your whole life. It's this amazing world. But like she was, uh, she was in a, going to Oxford, and she's now a sort of higher lawyer type person and involved in running the country. But at that point, uh, she was being inducted into a secret society of, of girls who were likely to be leading the country later down the line. And one of the things they had to do was uh, bang some smack, and uh, then go out and find a homeless person, and sleep with the homeless person, and uh, drink a drink a pint of gin 
and find a, uh, another person. I can't remember exactly how it ended. But basically, you had to bang up some smack, drink a pint of gin, and bang a homeless person. And uh, then you'd be inducted into the secret society of Oxford girls who run the world now. And this was sort of what logged by what, photographic or video evidence or anything, just as a sort of like yeah. a, a black map, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> well, here at the Lobster <laughs> Death Cult, we don't have any of these. There's no uh, initiation <laughs> ceremony. There's no. Uh, the, where the cults always fall down is when they start diddling each other. That it's usually it's all fine until like there's some sort of fuckery going on and that ruins everything. <laughs> that and the stockpiling of arms. If you can avoid those two things, I think you can go pretty far with a cult. You know, you don't try and isolate people from their families. You know, everyone's just out having a good time, listening to some drum and bass. You know, throwing a few shoes, whatever. Like talking. Oh about yeah, so okay. Guys. Explain the shoe thing to uh, to our, my audience. <laughs> so. Well, shoe throwers, right? High heel hurlers, Yeezy eaters, you know, flip-flop flingers, sandal slingers, whatever you want to call them. Uh, it's a kind of drum and bass whereby, you know, when... Oh, when it, with drum and bass, it's a lot about the drop, which is when the exciting bit of the record happens, when everything comes in, there's the build-up, and then... And that's your cue to go absolutely mental, whether it's in a club or a field or in your own living room or your mum's kitchen, or in your Ford Fiesta, wherever you happen to be, on the bus. <laughs> that is not, it doesn't matter. That's your cue to go absolutely bonkers. And some tunes just make you want to go so bonkers that it makes you just want to take your shoe off and just throw it at something, whether or not That's it's true. a wall or, uh, I don't know, throw your shoe at a DJ. Be yeah. careful throwing shoes at DJs. Um, or, you know, wherever. Just throw it out of a window or, you know, yeah. throw it through a conservatory window. Just, just you know, you'll you'll know a shoe thrower when you hear it. Oh God! If you want to hear a look, if you want to you want to hear a proper shoe thrower, okay, you want to go on Spotify and find <laughs> Doctor Frankie. Uh, he's called Doctor Frankie. I played this this morning on the show, and Jesus, oh, it's from a couple of years ago. It's called Bass Symptom by right. no Mister Frankie. Sorry, Mister Frankie. Uh, it's called Bass Symptom. And Lord of sweet mercy, that'll make you want to take your brogue off and just hurl it out of your, off your balcony. But just be careful not to hit anyone. I, I do not condone uh, the throwing of shoes actually at people or pets. All right. That's good. Okay. So that's, okay. that's Shoe so Frame 101, all right? That's Shoe Frame 101. Now, I was uh, DJing at uh, a club called uh, Good Times at Davy Wayne's, which is a 70s sort of club. I had a residency there and it was very popular and people came from all over the country to see it because it got so sort of known as being an amazing thing. And then the police started investigating the venue or like, well, I investigate the police just started sort of harassing the venue. I don't know, being too loud or whatever, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I turned up, turned up for work one day and they put a sofa in the middle of the dance floor. And, uh, I was told to play music that would keep people sort of, you know, bubbling. But if anyone started dancing, change it to something that would stop them from dancing <laughs> which is like the opposite of, of my job description the opposite yeah, of what, yeah, yeah. what i'm very good at and what i'm very good at is you know creating amazing uh, euphoric transcendent party situations for that fuck so i was trying to do this and there was a whole load of people that come all the way from san francisco and there's people all over the place and it's the 70s place right so i'm playing funk and disco and the, and the odd queen record or whatever i'm playing like as if it's like you're listening to daft punk going through the stuff they're going to use to make a new album and sort of working it out on the fly. 
doing a lot mm. of live remix. It's a fun, it's an amazing thing. Anyway, uh, it gets to the end of the night, and I've been kind of doing this. It's like edging. It's like you know, slightly, yeah. slightly tickling the circumference of the lady parts, mm-hmm. never, never sticking anything in. Yeah. And the se- second the lady starts to get excited, kind of withdrawing. Mm. It was very much like that. It was very difficult. It was a four-hour set. Anyway, it's the end of the night, and it's like, all right, well, we've got through this now. Let's give them Bohemian Rhapsody. So <laughs> give them Bohemian Rhapsody, and the Send whole over place, the, edge. the whole place just goes insane. It's a frenzy. It's like hundreds of people, like all, all is one. And you know the bit in Bohemian Rhapsody where it's like building up, building up to the drop, the mm. shoe throw a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, Where, you which then goes oh, into you. the guitar. Down, 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 down. So it's the bit just before that, and just before that, security guard comes running over to me and goes, just "Cut it, cut it." Police are outside. Cut it. So just at the point of the drop, music cuts, lights up, a giant palpable, ah! and a lot oh of people gosh. start shouting and screaming. And one woman gets so upset she literally takes her shoe off and. Th- and th- Launches yeah. out of me. Justified. Absolutely justified. So this is a shoe throw. She, like, <laughs> she yeah. was so upset. People were so angry. I, I, I never went back to that place. Was this? Yes. Oh my God. Phone's off on set. Very unprofessional. It's a disgrace. My wife. I dare you, wife. Um, wife. Wife, I'm recording a podcast. And I was just in the middle of telling a story about a shoe throw moment. And, and you called it. It's the exact peak. Of the, hey, wife of the Don. Hey. I Rankin says hi. Hi, Mr. Rankin. Yeah. Hi, yeah. Hi, you love. Sorry about that. I was thinking that I would call you briefly before you uh, got we're recording. Yeah, so there you go. Anyway, I'll call you back after it's done. Okay, all right. Love you. Bye. Bye. Yeah, that was a nice wholesome interruption. But yeah, shoe yeah. Fro- so shoe throwing cuts both ways. Yeah, so yeah. You, do, you, you shouldn't can... throw shoe in anger, I would say that. Um... Don't throw shoes in anger. Tell that to... Uh, 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 Saddam Hussein? No, uh, no. Who was George the guy Bush? That, yeah, George who was the Bush? Guy that th- yeah, he threw the shoe uh, threw the shoe at Bush. He yeah. um, he got arrested uh, for other shoe throwing offences. I think afterwards, or, or maybe it was just it was around the time it was it was in the sort of part of the world where they just arrest journalists. They also throw shoes, though. It's the thing that they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because their yeah. shoes are less expensive than ours. I think. Yeah, I mean, I would like to see people, you know, yeeting Yeezys. I think that would be cool. Well, here's the dream, right? You you build up you build up your thing, your your own universe to such a level that suddenly you're you're touring it and doing live podcasts and you're doing uh, followed by amazing DJ sets uh, around around the country and around the world and what have you. And it's you're drawing giant crowds and people are throwing shoes safe in the knowledge that you'll return them at the end of at the end. Of the yes, set. I, I will you give know, each one a cloakroom ticket. If ideally, if you could have a ticket. With your name and number, uh, sellotape to the bottom of the shoe, and I can make I can have it laundered and uh, have it sort of oh, wow. refreshed with some sort of refreshing spray, some sort of odor odor eating spray. I'll give it a little kiss just on the end, and then wow. I will have it have it returned to you that very night um, by Uber driver. So that's I good. think that's a pretty decent deal, isn't it? I mean, obviously I'll have to factor that into the ticket price. I was going to say, yeah, you're not you're not going to make any money on this tour. No, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not about the money anymore. I'm just, I'm just doing it for the kids. Oh, we never uh, got to that point. Yeah. Anyway, so, so yeah, regarding the money, uh, how, what's, what's your um, strategy for sort of monetization of your new, of your new sort of universe that you've got for yourself? Hey, that's a great question. Uh, maybe we can brainstorm some ideas for it. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, 
So I, yeah, this is this is a thing. Like God, like making money out of internet radio, yeah, and and podcasts. It's um, it's a tricky one. It's advertising and sponsorship, isn't it? Generally, uh, it's that and it's Patreon. And uh, are you still on yours, or did you did you get rid of yours, or do you just neglect yours now? What's the? Well, my Patreon uh, has. Yeah, it was like up to like, I'd only had it a few months. I had it a couple months and it was up to nearly $900 a month. And it was mm. great. And all that money was going into studio upgrades. And it was every month it was like, yay, now I'm going to like get this extra thing and fix this. And then mm. those bum holes banned Sargon. Yeah. And, uh, and it just plummeted and it's down mm. to like 300 now or something. Um, yeah, with it. I didn't. I didn't leave. Um, my my um, principles were not that not that sturdy because, frankly, I need, I need the money, and uh, I'm not in the position to throw away money yet. And uh, you know, Peterson and uh, and Ruben are working on their alternative, mm. and who knows how long that's going to take, and all that sort of business. Um, yeah, there's subscribe star, and there's you know. Yeah, I'm on subscribe star as well. I've got no a few fun. people on there. It's. Uh, yeah, it took a major hit. Yeah, took a ma- yeah, yeah. It took a major hit, like sort of a 60% drop. Mm. Like, I mean, my show and the station, there's nothing really political about it or anything. It's, it's you know, it's music and it's, it's comedy. So it's, I th- uh, it's not something which I, I really imagine is likely to be affected by... Uh, but this is, I mean, such a difficult... Oh, it's just audience crossovers. So there's like a lot of yeah. people deleted their Patreons. Yeah. Now, a, yeah, lot, yeah, a lot yeah. more people have uh, joined Patreon. Patreon has actually grown quite mm. substantially since that happened. Mm. But they did lose an awful lot of people. And there is obviously, you know, crossover uh, between the sorts of people who are interested in the work of Joe Rogan and Jordan Peterson and stuff like that mm-hmm. with what you're doing and what I'm doing, certainly. Yeah, yeah. It, um, I think, yeah, it was the people that were interested in... I, it doesn't seem I, I didn't lose anyone during that time i mean i don't have a, you know i think i've only got like 75 people on it so it's you know i mean all, all like um peter and rubens and sam harris and stuff had you know absolutely enormous amounts of people on it and yeah. i think you had a lot more people on it than than i did so it was but yeah i it was i was lucky to sort of escape that so anyway so you're doing crowdfunding Doing crowdfunding, we're selling merchandise, and nice. uh, that, and I'd, I would consider sponsors probably for the right thing. Again, yeah. it's you know, it's it's finding the right people. Like I'm not going to change anything about what I'm doing if it doesn't fit with a sponsor. I'm I'm not interested in going in, in doing that. So if there's someone that likes what I'm doing and, and is interested and it's the right fit, sure, I would rather not go down that route but if if we if i can if i can get it together purely from crowdfunding that would be that would be ideal because you know people are giving people are putting that money into the pot because they value what you're doing here's the thing though right um if you're relying entirely on a crowdfunded model what happens when the economy tanks which is a kind of an inevitability that at some point that will happen Mm. And people suddenly don't have that disposable income to spend five, ten, fifteen, or whatever dollar is dollars it is a month mm. on their favorite YouTuber or favorite podcaster anymore. 
Well, hopefully we, uh, hopefully uh, Brexit just works out absolutely fine, and we don't have any problems with the economy. Uh, yeah. No, I mean things like that are inevitable, are an, an inevitability. Yeah, I mean, there undoubtedly needs to be some sort of um, backup plan, sort of style safeguard thing. It, um, I don't know what, I don't know really what that is. I mean, I'm guessing, yeah, I guess that was where the sponsor, so I should probably work this out. This is a great brainstorming session for us. Yeah. Yeah, Cheers for this. Um, I'm glad you've thought this one through. That would be, I guess, where the sponsorship um, comes in. I, I mean, it's also, I think as long as you're careful not to, not to go too big too soon. Like if I suddenly took mm. on a load of, got some investment, took on a load of staff and just, you know, <laughs> went, went BuzzFeed, went mad. And um, <laughs> then uh, it would be, I heard some, um, I heard some crazy stuff about, uh, about the BuzzFeed and Vice and all that lot about how they had um, inflated their numbers in order to get investment. Did you hear about this? I heard was, something about how that they're lying about their page views. Yeah, that, so that Tim Pool did a video them. about it. They right. basically, like, you know those um, things, you, adverts you see at the bottom of of website of these sort of websites, and they will be for like seven celebrities that yeah. got lost to meth or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and you click on them, and they're sort of clickbait. But it's a real website, and it really does have pictures of celebrities that supposedly lost themselves to men. Yeah, but, it, but it's, a, it's a gallery, and you have to click through thirty pages till you get to the yeah. one that was on the picture. So there are companies that make these websites with the intention of selling them and getting huge uh, clicks, yeah, uh, huge amounts of clicks, um, and then they sell the websites to these companies like Vice or BuzzFeed or whoever, who then have them as part of their network yes. and then can include the views on these websites as yes. their overall network views. And it bumps all their views right up and then they can, you know, go out and get investment off the back of that. But really, they're just the views, the actual legitimate views aren't there. Yes. Yeah, Complex did the same thing. Yeah, so there is because like, no one is reading these, these ridiculous articles Thank God, because they're so yeah, poisonous Jesus. and awful and anti-human. You kind of see them on Twitter in an almost meme fashion. Like, yeah. oh, look at this ridiculous shit that this half-wit has written this week. But yeah. the actual audience of people actually going to these websites and reading these things is tiny. Mm. Yeah, of what, reading the articles of like, dear white men, maybe it's time you started eating your own asses. <laughs> know, maybe, yeah, maybe it is, actually. Yeah. Or, you should kill your children. If you do not, white people, if you have children, you're part of the problem. If you do yeah. not kill your child at birth, you're part of the problem. How yeah, dare white, you? White parents, if you've got the gall to have a white child, white parents, the absolute gall of it, well, maybe you should drown it in the river. Thought about yes, that? Yes, you should. And also, <laughs> how dare you be friends with a black person? That doesn't absolve yeah. you of your sins. How dare you? How dare you? Look, I'm afraid that just not simply the act of not being racist is that in and of itself is racist. It's oh. deeply racist what? and you should kill oh. yourself. What? What? I don't know. What's the call to action? What am I actually supposed to do? <laughs> supposed to feel awful. Just being nice to people is not enough. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, feel awful. Okay, I feel awful. Fine. Yeah, you're yeah. supposed to self-flagellate and then you're supposed to pass that on to your children and everyone should be as miserable as us because we're resentful and bitter about our place in the hierarchy. And we're not going to do what High Rankin did, which was create his own world and create his own universe and create his own hierarchy. Mm. No, we're going to try and destroy everybody else's so that we could be the mm. kings of a rotten wasteland, so that we can be the, 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 big, the big man in charge of a, a slaughtered civilization. 
Yay. Woohoo. It's Woo-hoo. funny the uh the idea of I mean obvious I'm um, obviously you know privilege exists across a you know a multitude of spectrums but it's kind of with the sort of intersectionality thing it's like uh it is like a religion isn't it with the sort of privilege taking the role of original sin. Yeah, it you, certainly is. I was talking about this you, with my wife yesterday is so quickly it has occurred within my lifetime, and I'm a relatively young man, I've seen what was the sort of Christian right uh, be replaced exactly by the nouveau evangelical left. Mm. The nouveau evangelical left, their religion is a nihilistic horror show that has no spirituality in it. Mm. So it's just this, like, it's this kind of evil, dark religion based on revenge. It's just based on vengeance on Mm. those who are deemed to have power. So it's really terrifying because it's like, well, what happens when you become the ones in power? Then you're the thing, you're the evil thing. So then what happens? Then we have to just keep destroying you forever. Well, yeah, you would, you know, in you would automatically by default become the bourgeoisie. So then, you know, then where do you go? Do you send yourself to the gulag? How does this work? But they do. This is the point. They do start. They do just send each other to the to the gulag. They, you know, yeah. because no one is, you, you know, when you play these games, these progressive games, there is always someone more progressive, and so therefore, if you're behind that person, then you're, you know, you you need to go in for a, for a tenor, like you, uh, you. There will always be someone ahead of you. Like yes. it's it's a ridiculous game to play. Yes, and you know the the ultimate the end result of it is is the uh, ultimate minority is the individual. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's where it ends up. So it ends up with the truth of the matter. But the problem is you have to kind of kill everybody to get. <laughs> you have to destroy everybody and everything until you get to the realization, yeah. uh, which is something we all already know. No, it's every aspect. Every aspect of the fundamental religious right is contained in this one there's mm. the original sin the self-flagellation the the categories of people who are evil because it says so in our sacred te- texts mm. there are the high priests there's all this type of all this type of stuff but it doesn't have any soul and it doesn't have any spiritual aspect so mm. it's it's doesn't give anything it doesn't bring anything joyful it doesn't bring anything transcendent it doesn't bring anything useful. So it just creates misery and, and hatred and, uh, and horror. It's, it's a mm. really, really scary. Unhappily, I just don't think it can last very long. This is it. I, you know, when I sort of worry about this sort of stuff, and you just watch it, it's like, this is just, it has to burn itself out. This, this is, it can't, it, it, it can't go on. It's just getting too ridiculous. That surely it will get to a point where everyone goes, yeah, this is uh, uh, this has gone a bit far for me now. Oh, this well, has gone see, a bit far yeah, for me now. You see what's and happening then... is is like the generation that comes after the generation that embraced that, which I suppose is millennials. So Zoomers or Generation Z or whatever you want to call them, they re- they're already reacting very very heavily against that. Yeah, they, they do seem they, to be. Yeah, yeah, and they and they mock it and they laugh at it and they, and they think it's ridiculous. Seemingly, the, like the majority of them. So we're already seeing the pushback and, and it's inevitable death. It's a bit like the way that Generation Z reacted against boomers in the same fashion. And then it's like millennials kind of reacted against, sorry, Generation X. And then millennials kind of went against Generation X. And mm. it just swings backwards and forwards. The problem is, is because of the, well, it's also the blessing, because of the, the internet and the interconnectedness of everything. 
every time you have one of these cultural shifts and cultural reactions, it's as if it's a giant like uh, wrecking ball and it swings further. So when it swings further back, it smashes harder mm. and has more of an impact. So this PC thing event that's happening now, we had one of those in the early 90s or whatever it was. And uh, it was just less powerful because there was no internet. This time, everything's interconnected. So the wrecking ball smashes harder. As it comes back in the other direction, it, the, the, uh, the reaction to that will smash harder. And the yeah. reverberations will be larger. Then, of course, the, tra- the scary thing is that there'll be, then it will swing back in the other fucking direction, hypothetically. And one of these wrecking balls could be the one that just takes everything out. But this is the idea of the sort of positive feedback loop, isn't it? When one side pushes hard, the next side, the other side pushes just that little bit harder and then harder again and yeah. so on and so forth. Yeah, it's, it, it, I don't know how the, the cycle is to be broken. I mean, it's... I don't think it is. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. There is no light without shadow and so on mm. and so forth. And, uh, but it'd be nice be... to stop it destroying all of all of civilization. That would be... That's, cool. the, that's the thing. And I, I sometimes wonder if maybe it's a case of we, we, we're at the point where we're almost kind of going into planetary and that's how it's saved. I'll that... take that ticket to Mars. It's only 100 yeah. grand now, I think. It's not exactly. bad, Exactly. So you go Mars and maybe the Earth gets destroyed, <laughs> but the Mars, the Mars people are cool and then some Mars people fly off to Venus or whatever and... They're cool, yeah. and the Mars people get fucked, and we keep sort of branching off like the tree. I saw, yeah, a, great, I saw a wonderful illustration yesterday, someone was tweeting, of, uh, of all the roads that lead to Rome. Right. Or come out of Rome. And it looks just like uh, a big tree, or the, is it my, what's the network of, of roots and stuff underground, that great big organism that fungus comes from? That's the oh, biggest living know. organism on Earth. Sounds like something Rogan would be all over, though. Yeah, but it looks just like that. So it, right. it's, it's like, you know, everything is contained within everything else. If you, look, if you zoom in on snow under a microscope, you see medieval architecture at one level. You see nuts and bolts. You see geometry. You see the shapes of everything we've built with our hands and thought that we invented exists when you look at snow under a microscope. And if you look into the heavens, you see the same shapes and see the same patterns. So it's like everything is patterns. And there is balance. Mm. There has to be balance in everything. So all of this, it's as if all this stuff is necessary. And uh, you know, we're at that point in in the human experiment. We're we're about to be born, as it were. The planet is about to give birth to us, and we're about to sort of go off into the, the galaxy and have our uh, have our Star Trek: The Next Generation adventure. Well, I, as I mentioned, I haven't taken LSD for a little while, but uh, maybe. <laughs> Maybe that's the next logical step. Yeah, when we get out to space, then then maybe we can have that futuristic luxury gay communism that uh, that we've been <laughs> promised, where the robots do everything for us and we can just lie around all day like hedonism bot from Futurama. That's the thing. Grapes and stuff. I love and, you that. Know, no one will have to work. We'll all, it'll be universal basic income and you know, like a little there's a song on uh, There's a song on my new Peterson album about that very thing. He talks about Dostoevsky. Rory he doesn't wrote talk about, about luxury this. gay communism. I've, I've never heard those words come out of his mouth. Well, no, he does. And he says, you know, if, if you had that situation and all you had to do was just sit around and eat cake and engage in the, engage in the propagation of the species, mm. well, well, after about a week, you'd be so sick of it. You'd yeah. be so bored. Yeah, yeah. You'd, be, you'd be cutting yourself just yeah, for some you'd excitement. Yeah, you'd be making stuff harder. Just you'd, to try you'd, and, you'd just be you like, know, hack it. Just it, blow it up and we'll yeah. start again. Look, it's nice. To, you know what? This is, funnily enough, 
when I was just uh, when I was refusing to accept that I, uh, you know, what was in front of me in terms of basically being quite depressed about my, you know, the way I was looking at my career in, in particular and stuff, and just sort of refusing to kind of not just refusing to look at it in the face like it was Medusa or whatever. Just like, ah, just really, what I would do is when it stuff got really bad, I would decide that the issue was my studio and so i would move studios <laughs> like this or move countries like no i would yeah so i would move studios and i would really really enjoy like the rebuilding of the studio tear it yeah. all down make it again but then when it was all built again i was like ah oh, fuck i'm back to back to the same problem <laughs> now, now it's now that's not the case because i have a new you know sort of meaningful purpose of doing this radio where you have a lot of people who are really enjoying it and really sort of invested in it and it's you know it's 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 doing well and like we've been there are a lot of sort of conversations around it about like mental health and the people helping each other people as part of the community are coming together and helping each other when they're you know when they need it when they're feeling down and they're giving each other advice and all of this sort of stuff which is very good and it certainly uh, seems to have a lot more meaning than making uh, you know, whatever narky dubstep tune I feel needed to be felt needed to be made. Um, but yeah, these, the, it was always the uh, the first thing was to like right tear it down. Let's let's build it again. I really enjoy, really enjoying the building process. Like it was a uh, I don't know maybe it was something about the actual like right get your proper hands involved. You're not you're not looking at a screen. You're not. You know, it's a lot. It's a lot to do with it. It's like you have a purpose when you're doing it. Yes. You have yeah. A re- you know, so you, you're actively all of you is engaged in the creation of something for a yeah. purpose, and it's exciting and it's got newness to it. And mm. now you're doing the same thing, but you're doing it with people. And yeah. You're doing it with. So you're building something. You're building this community. And you're building this universe. And you're building this space. Uh, and it's useful and there's this feedback loop because people say to you that it's helping them in their lives and it's proving useful. So that makes you feel useful and it makes it, the whole thing worthwhile. The previous thing is you build, you build, you build, and then you're like, oh, this didn't actually give me what I wanted to happen. It stops. Mm. The feedback loop stops because you've, you've finished building and mm. nothing else is coming in. But now you're doing it in, in a way that's it's, it's sustainable, hopefully sustainable. I mean, yes. where do you, where do, so where do you see this going? Uh, you, I love your you... question. I'm glad we get the chance to brainstorm. Um, <laughs> I, I, right now, I actually don't know. I am just, I just am trying to make the show as good as it can be with the time and resources that I have at my disposal. Okay, so here's I'm the thing. A... This is, uh, Peterson asked me this question last week, and my answer was a bit wishy-washy like yours as well. Because I didn't think I didn't think it through properly, but I do know the answer. I said something along the lines of, "Oh, you know, in Dragon Ball Z, and like, you know, he like he kind of super science. I like want to get to like top level super science, which is basically really a, a, a stupid way of saying that I want to fulfill my potential, mm. right? But like, what you want to do is you have an opportunity to do this, and you're building your universe here. Is have a think if you fulfill your potential, what would that look like? Yeah, like, what would that really look like? Where would you mm. live? What would your what would your listenership, what would your audience be like? What would your day be like? What would you be doing when you woke up? What would you be doing at lunchtime? All that sort of stuff. What would your sort of family do? All that sort of stuff. Think about all of that and write all that down and then see if that's really what you want and if it needs tweaking. 
and then tweak yeah. it until it's its most glorious version. And then you've really got something to walk to work towards with a mm. vision. Because if you don't have like a specific vision to work towards, you're going to flail around a bit and you're not going to actually get to that potential because mm. you don't know what that potential is. And yeah. you, might, you might end up flailing in the wrong direction and kind of destroying your potential, destroying what you've built and unleashing like a negative aspect of your potential or something like that. So I mm. think this is a good, this is a good, a good opportunity for you right now to sort of zone in on, on what it is you really could be and what the very, very best version of you does and is doing in say one year, five years, 10 years or whatever. Mm. And then work wholeheartedly towards that end. Yeah, well, that that's very very much it. Like, I mean, I ha- I have a, a a a very solid idea of where I want to be positioned in terms of like family relationship, you know, that's great. living, all of that sort of stuff. I mean, it, it's it's simple, really. You know, want to eventually, a few years, move out to the countryside <laughs> with the missus, with the missus, have a few kids, Classic. you know, and then it's like the day to day is the is the is the bit to to fill to fill in there i mean in terms of threshold what we're doing at the moment i say we uh it's just me and it um but <laughs> you know sort of collect but collectively we are all doing it together i did i do feel yes. like that yes uh, sure. developing a new app which will be a a little bit like a podcast app with also live streaming so it will have a very good archive section and then it will be a place that people can come on and and discover all the old shows and uh, get lots more people on doing interesting stuff, get a nice, you know, a, a sort of a diverse range of music, a diverse range of people, diverse range of opinions, like a really just like a, a kind of, it's... I don't know, like I find a lot of stuff really interesting and I find a lot of music really interesting. And I don't know whether or not maybe I'm just trying to, I'm just cultivating like my own giant weird playlist uh, with this. And it's sort of way that I am. Like I sort of, I want to sort of find people that want to do podcasts that I think are interesting uh, and people that want to do shows with music that I, that I think is, is great and hope that other people will, you know, uh, do it what, find it interesting as well what it is is you're a di- I should have said this in your intro but like really first and foremost you're a DJ yes and that's what you're doing now you're doing you, you, now you're a DJ effectively you're a DJ yeah start. and the most I was explaining this earlier to someone but people ask me all the time like, oh, I want to be a DJ like what equipment should I buy or, like what software should I learn I'm like that's the least important aspect of it the most important mm. aspect of being a DJ is uh the music you play, knowing the music inside out and knowing the right time to play that music and the right order to play that music to achieve what you want to achieve with that crowd of people that's there in front of you. And it's the same with everything in the modern world now as all these barriers have come crashing down. Curation is more important than ever and people with great taste is more important than ever and people who know how to take seemingly disparate things and put them together in a pleasing way that's useful, transformative, transcendent, whatever, all these things. A person that can do that with a disparate group of things is a useful person in the modern world. And it seems Mm. that that's what you're doing. And it seems that that's what you've always been good at. And it seems that that's where you're going. So you're basically going to be DJing, but just with more than music and more than records. I hadn't thought about it like that. You're right, though. Yeah, it is. It's like, effectively, I'm DJing with long format content. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Basically, it's it's content curation. That's what all of us are doing. That's what I'm doing. 
Um, yeah. That's what these albums I put together are. That's what the mini versions of them are. It's just like I was saying, everything's contained within everything. So a single song, I think of in the same way as I think of a DJ set. And an album, mm-hmm. I think of in the same way as I think of a DJ set. It's a story. It's got a beginning. It's got a middle. It's got an end. It's a journey. It's got a purpose. It's, there's something. There's a transformation that occurs along the way. And there's a feeling that remains with you when you leave. When I, when I play a set and I, I want people to walk away from that with a feeling that will carry with them until they die. Mm. And some, you know, on their deathbed, I want them to be able to have that with them still. And, uh, and that's what we're doing with all of this stuff. Mm. 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 You speak a lot of sense, Don. Yeah. That's right. You know, mm. we're, all, we're all working this shit out as we go along. We're living in the future. That's where we are. We're in the future. None of us have done this before. And we're working it out. We're pioneers out here on the edge. Just on Mm. the edge where it's just scary enough that it could go wrong. But we've got just enough skills that we know we're pretty sure that we can can manage it. Yeah. Well, you know, the mobs haven't, you know, aren't protesting outside just yet. So I guess guess stuff must be okay. Yeah. And, you know, when they are, that's a good good thing. (laughs) Uh, If you ain't got haters, you ain't popping. Yeah, well, that's Indeed. it. I, I, I got asked to write a, um, uh, just, well, it was supposed to be a few sentences. It ended up being like a multiple uh, long paragraphs um, about kind of, I guess, advice or just thoughts for people that are getting into music now and about the sort of idea of the, the sort of endless comparison to others on social media, but also like how to deal with negative feedback, mm-hmm. uh, negative comments and stuff, the sort of haters when you are making music. Um, it's, it's an interesting thing because A, it will never go away so I'm afraid like you're going to have to learn to cope with that That's, uh, you know, if you post a tune up and someone says it's shit you're going to have to learn to sort of shrug that off a little bit because you know, the, the people, people talking shit on the internet yeah, they're, um, they're not a dying breed <laughs> no you know, I, there's, you know uh, the EU there's might try and get rid of that legally but it's not going to work no. Yeah. Um, so also, but then very, it's very rare that people talk shit about someone that isn't making some waves. Like, why would you bother wasting your time? It's like, you know, you you only take a pop at someone you feels worth taking a pop at. Yeah. I think it's quite rare for the sort of uh, you know of the equivalent of like random a random mugging in terms of online abuse, like. Uh, yeah, I guess I could go on SoundCloud and I could go and find someone with like 17 plays on a song and just call them a cunt. I mean, like, ah! <laughs> but why would I? Like, you know, I'm... I'm uh... <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a particular sport. It's kind of like real life griefing thing. Yeah. Like you have in video games, just go kill someone, just fuck with them. But, um... Yeah, so it's, basically, but the thing is, it's a good thing. You hate, it means you're actually doing something. It means you're headed in the right direction because they actually think you're worthy of their time. Yeah, and it's, an, it's a, also it's a necessary part. We want this. You want it. Because there's so little actual uh, suffering in your cushy modern life. There's so little uh, that can go wrong for you. You fucking need people calling you a cunt. Mm. Just to remember that, like, may, you might be one. And that there's people out there who don't all love you. You're not, like, the king of, of the world. You're not the, the, you're not well, the perfect... Uh, princess thing that everyone should just bow down. You know, there's this thing they have now, apparently, in, uh, I can't remember if it's Korea or China, but it's like a new app, and you pay X amount a month, and people will leave you positive comments. And just, what, just go, generally? Go on, and just go on your selfies and say, oh, you're beautiful, oh, you're lovely, oh, you're this, that, and the other. 
people are paying for positive feedback now. Money well spent. Yes, yep, well, there I'm you go. into it. But you know, negative negative stuff is necessary. You need that yeah. stuff. You need to build the psychic muscles that Frank Herbert spoke about in Dune that only mm. come from suffering and pain and uh, resilience to people being cunts. Mm. You have to have that. And if you don't have that, then you're ill-equipped to deal with the world. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I, to be honest, like I've never, like, I've never really had a... Uh, for people like, for me, put a tune up and, you know, some, someone will say this is shit. Like that is uh, that has always bounced off me. Like Good. very, uh, uh, very. I, I don't know. I've just never really had. I mean, we had some ridiculous ones, man. Like I did, did this track called "Shouting at the Sky," and the video is me, uh, my girlfriend at the time, uh, and um, Jim, who does ranking radio, and uh, we're dressed up as Dead Mouse, Skrillex, and um, uh, David Guetta, and Steve Aoki. And it's about this sort of uh, love triangle between uh, mm-hmm. Dead Mouse and Steve Aoki and um, uh, David Guetta. And the comments were all like Eastern European people leaving really horrendous homophobic abuse in the comments. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, absolutely crazy. It's important to remember that, that's, that these people are out there, that people think yeah. that way and act that way. And, um, you know, you've got to stay in touch. You got to stay in touch with reality. Mm. I was saying this is another thing I was thinking about recently, and I think it's important to, if you can, maintain your connections with popular culture. Mm. You know, uh, because if you don't, then suddenly you can't communicate with anyone under whatever age. Uh, you don't understand it, so you can't comment on it. It won't make yeah. sense to you, so you'll yeah, assume yeah. it's you'll assume it's all bad. If you don't maintain your connections with popular culture, you will not be able to take the positive aspects of popular culture. No matter how depraved or negative you feel it has become, there's always going to be useful aspects of it that you could apply to what you're doing and make what you're doing better and more useful. And if you don't maintain your connection with popular culture, then you don't have that anymore. And then also, the final thing is that if you lose your connections with popular culture, you age 10 years overnight. Mm. And you see this happening all the time. That's why Facebook is such a fucking absolute horror show. It's just such a soul-crushing... It's like you were saying earlier. Facebook is where your past sort of lingers on and sort of like nibbles at you. And you go on there and you go, oh, is that person I went to school with? And look how fat and bald and awful they are. And Jesus Christ, how depressing. Oh, that person's got cancer. Oh, that person's just got married and it looks like they settled. Oh, this just it's just a load of kind of misery from a, from a world that you're not in anymore. Yeah. Like, you the, shouldn't the, even have to worry about that. The horror of Facebook for me was what was was really like me seeing people that I could love and care about and respect just talking utter bollocks to try and yeah. to try and get sort of social brownie points. Uh, I was yeah, like, I know you don't think any of these things. We were in the pub the other night and you were <laughs> saying the exact opposite to this. Like, and you make jokes about this all the time and blah blah blah. Like. What you're just saying is to try and impress someone, probably someone specific, maybe a girl, I don't know. Like, this well, is, no, it's, it's probably not no, going to work. Not. I think that the, the weird thing is that people are often, usually, trying to impress people that don't give a fuck about them and never yeah. will. Everyone's too concerned with their own shit to worry about, like, you know. So this goes back to what we were saying at the beginning of what you were saying, that there was the, like, the reason for your, your sort of depression and, and, and salvation is the mm. real... Is, 
the foolishness of comparing yourself to other people and the foolishness of trying to do things to impress other people or, or the, yeah. the opinions of other people. That mm. That's the prison that uh, so many people, the self-imposed prison, the self-imposed windowless room that so many people toil in in our modern world. And they don't need, to, that's what's cool about it, is like, mm. it's just as simply a case of just going, oh yeah, that's stupid, I don't have to do that anymore. And then you don't have to do it anymore. And then you're yeah. free. And then the world is beautiful again. And the sun shines. And, uh, and you know, the birds chirp. And it's a Disney movie. It is. I like having these conversations with you. Yeah. Let me feel warm and tingly inside. Maybe Good. the world isn't such a dark place after all. It's a beautiful world, Billy, and ranking the first of your name. And uh, that was a beautiful conversation. And uh, we should have another one. And, Definitely. Uh, I think we will. I think we will. So, yeah, thanks for that. Uh, anything you would like the uh, listeners to uh, bear in mind or do? Any calls to action? Any, uh, any messages? Anything of that nature that you'd like to finish on? Any, uh, that was a good yeah, any calls to action for the decent, honest, God-fearing folk out there? You know, it's <laughs> out for a better way of life. I, I, I do think that there is a lot of... Uh, you know what... Just dishing out blanket advice to people who are after in you know in ridiculous this situ- ridiculously different situations, but like I, I think there's a lot of value in the idea of of like really like writing down. Okay, well, what what do I what do I actually fucking like here? What do I actually like? What am I actually getting any value out of whatsoever? And quite often that list is pretty small, but at least you've got it. At least it's at least it's a list. And you can take that list and you can, all right, well, let's, even if it's just those things on it, how can I make those things encompass much more of my life? Yeah. That's, that has had a lot of value for me in the last six months. And uh, I, so that's my tip, basically. Yeah, I love that. That's great advice. Write down what's working. Yeah, and try and make that as much of stuff as possible. Yeah, well, that's what I did. It was like, work out what's working, quadruple down on that. Yes, in every exactly. aspect, and that applies to every aspect of your life. What's working? Yeah. Your health, your happiness, your work. What's making you money? All of these different, all of these things. Work out mm. what's working. Quadruple down on that and see what happens. Yeah, and it can be pretty shocking what happens and how quickly it can happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it, it, the time will fly by, and you will look back and go, "Oh, wow!" This is the thing. If, I can't remember who it was. It says it. Maybe it was Tony Robbins, or maybe it's. Tim Ferriss or something. That, oh, no, I think it was Peter Diamando saying, like, people overestimate what they can do in a year and underestimate what they can do in 10. That's real shit, Billy Rankin. <clears throat> That's real shit. That's real, real shit. And on that bombshell, this will be the end of this podcast. Thank you for being here, Billy Rankin, the first. Go follow Billy Rankin. Go check out Fresh Old FM. Uh, you know, check out what he's up to. It's, uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And Everyone's going to call me Billiam now. <laughs> <laughs> it's Will. Just Will is fine. Right. Right. Thank right, you, mate. An absolute right, pleasure. Yeah, you